This is Territory Tales, the stories behind the people and places that make Oregon's Mount Hood Territory so unique and special. I am your host, Jared Lyman. Joined by my side, as always, is Molly Johnson. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And we're excited today. We're always excited, but I am really stoked today because as I was talking to our guests before, I've never outgrown that love, that magic feeling of Christmas. I still uh, act like a kid pretty much every day, but Christmas itself really gets me excited. And I think that it'd be safe to say that Christmas comes from our guest's farm. So Molly, why don't you introduce everybody to our guest today? Yes, good intro. Okay, everybody, this is William Kaiser. Mm -hmm. He is the owner of Marywood Farms Christmas Tree Farm in uh, Oregon City. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm proud to be here. Good. (laughs) Now, the first question obviously goes, how does one get into Christmas tree farming? (laughs) Well, you have to have uh, enough land and... um, Plant trees. <laughs> that helps. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the second best time is today. <laughs> so if you can, uh, you have to think ahead. But uh, when I was a child, I uh, used to take my wagon and go down to some uh, vacant railroad property where tree seedlings were growing just on volunteer. And I would dig them up and put them on my wagon and take them home and plant them in my mom and dad's yard. And, of course, they didn't know that until the trees got a little bit bigger and they noticed that, well, when I uh, was married and moved out and then they moved, a log truck came and took those trees away. So It's a shame uh, you didn't get a cut of that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> a little commission. Yeah. So I've had tree planting in my blood ever since I was a child. And uh, when we wanted to get into uh, having a tree farm, we were on a small piece of property, about seven acres, and it wasn't enough to support horses, which my daughters were into, and plant trees. So we put our house up for sale, and we were trying to find a good place. Well, there was a nice old lady that I used to do work for, her name was Mary Wood, and she passed away, and her uh, estate came up for auction. We made a bid, and we were not successful in obtaining that property. But in the meantime, our house had sold, so we were homeless pretty much. We had until uh, Christmas of that year of 85 to move out. Well, Christmas, of course. It just works for the yeah, story. <laughs> I know. So we um, found a piece of property that was right next to my grandmother's house. And we thought, well, that's where we should. But it needed a lot of work. And uh, we put a bid in on it, and we got it. So the work began, and we had uh, we had like two weeks to move out from that point. Jeez. So we moved in there. And... Uh, we went up to tell my grandmother that we were going to be her neighbor. And she said, oh, my old home place. That's where I was born. Oh, my gosh. And the story on that is my great-grandparents came over here from Germany in the late 1800s and uh, early 1900s and uh, built a small house, 
built the huge barn that is there today in 1907. And uh, my grandmother was born on that place. And when the barn was built, she was six years old. She got to serve sandwiches to everybody that was working on the barn. (laughs) But uh, when the house burned down in 1929, and my great-grandfather passed away, my great-grandmother couldn't stay there. So the property went back to the bank. Uh, She owed $1,000 on it. She couldn't pay it, went back to the bank. So from then on, my grandmother couldn't speak of the property because it was shameful that it left the family. And when we told her we were going to buy it in 1986 and be her neighbor, she said, oh, my gosh, my old home place. And she brought out all these pictures. And uh, it was an amazing thing. And so we moved in there. I started planting trees. And... uh, that's pretty much the history. You can't top that farm. story. That's just amazing. Yeah. Just the coincidence that that came out to be. Yeah. Providence is meant to be. It was divine intervention. Yeah. However, I love the name Mary Wood. Because yes. she was a nice old lady. Yeah. And her husband was one of the first ones to plant Christmas trees. And they were, So I thought, well, I'm going to name the farm Mary Wood. So it's Mary Wood. I like it. That's so sweet. Yeah. When your grandmother showed you photos that she had Mm -hmm. um and you said that you guys needed to do a lot of work on the property oh yeah did you end up trying to use some of that as inspiration for the new work that you did yes i love that right the house that was rebuilt there was rebuilt in the 30s and it was a typical 1930 bungalow style and so we added on to the house and made it look like the era of the original house. And of course, the barn, which is our pride and joy that my great-grandfather built, is still there. We use it as a museum now with old farm equipment for the uh, customers to walk in and see. And gives me an excuse to go buy old farm equipment. (laughs) Sure. So uh, I consider myself a collector. Uh, My wife considers me a hoarder. But uh, I tell her that the difference between a collector and a hoarder is a hoarder, if you have any more than five of the same thing, you're a hoarder. <laughs> yeah, if you keep it below that. So I have, you know. Mm. I, four I, of I, lots of things. Yes, four <laughs> of lots of things. That's right. I might be touch and go there on <laughs> yes. home decor. So, uh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, you, go ahead. You, you mentioned um, uh, Mary Wood's husband was one of the first ones to plant trees. Uh-huh. And actually, that kind of goes into the, the next topic I wanted to cover because what a lot of people don't realize, um, Oregon generates, it grows a tremendous percentage of the country's Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And Mount Hood Territory, Clackamas County, has a tremendous percentage of that group of Oregon. So what is it about this region that makes it so conducive to growing Christmas trees? Well, the climate, for one. Yeah. Uh, we have just the right amount of rain. And... Uh, so when, because it is, you know, fairly rainy here, but um, do you not have to do much irrigation or is it just all natural, just whatever happens? Yeah, it's happens? all natural. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to irrigate. If you had to irrigate a Christmas tree field, it wouldn't be worth it. Okay. It, it, because they're planted five feet apart and it would take a lot of irrigation to uh, take care of the acreage. Okay. And they don't need it, really. Uh, 
some varieties won't withstand a drought. So, but you, you know, if you went out and watered them, I don't think that would help. Uh, so what I've done is I've found a specific variety that withstands drought, which is a Nordman fir. And because they withstand a drought, they last a long time in your house. Yeah. Uh, the seed comes from Russia. And I suppose if they grow in Russia, they can grow anywhere. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's so hospitable in Russia. <laughs> well, I, I've never been there, but... Uh, Especially in the winter. Uh-huh. I like how he put it. I like how he put it, though. Too, we have just the right amount of rain. That's such a very positive spin. Very on that. positive way of saying that. And also for all of us who try and fail at remembering to water <laughs> our tree each time, I like that. That helps. That your tree helps to stay longer throughout the month. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, a Nordman fir, I, I believe, is a super tree. Yeah. Uh, because if you forget to water it, well, it's, it's not so bad. You can always do it later. <laughs> uh, the downfall of a Nordman is they have no smell. And that's my favorite part of the tree. I know. So, it, so I mean, yeah. I, lo- I love the fact you could last for long. I guess it's a trade-off which one you want to go with more. Yeah, well, you can always put an air freshener in it. Or <laughs> I, I, I tell people, well, you know, a Nordman has no smell, you know, unless there's a dead bird in it. And, you know, you'll get some aroma out of it. But uh, they... But because they have no smell, that's why they last a long time. And sure. and there's no dead needles. You leave your vacuum cleaner in the closet. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but we have other varieties as well. I remember the first day we opened in 1990, I had Douglas fir. That's what I thought everybody wanted was Douglas fir. I stood at the in the driveway, and the first car drove up. They rolled down their window, and they said, "Do you have any nobles?" Oh, jeez. <laughs> And I said, well, no, but I have Douglas fir. I said, well, we'd kind of like to have noble. So after about the first 10 cars, the smile kind of went off my face. And, you know, I said, well, we have Douglas fir. And uh, then the Douglas fir people started coming, and they were all happy. But the next year, I went out and acquired some nobles. And in that spring, I planted every variety I could think of. Uh, because it's, uh, the key is a variety. If you only have one kind, you're going to have some people that are unhappy. And I, my goal was to keep everybody happy. And I told my two daughters when they were uh, they're out there working in the trees, giving pony rides and greeting customers, even when they were little, I said, a smile on their face and a tree in their trunk. <laughs> and they still remember that. I like that. So uh, variety is the key. And uh, by having pre-cut trees up out there, I got some people hooked on uh, having pre-cut trees. They could come to a farm, get their tree, and not have to get muddy. <laughs> so the way things are right now with, uh, with tree farms closing down, uh, I just bring in more pre-cut trees. And I get more customers who want that. And so they, I have a, f- a couple fields and off the farm where I grow these trees, and I just selectively bring them in. Yeah. Uh, and it's worked out well. Yeah. And in fact, while I'm bringing a tree in, I said, you know, the Smith family is going to love this one. <laughs> and, they, you know, of course, those people have been coming there for years. And... Uh, 
they're now their children are coming there. All these old customers and I love that. Yeah. Love so, that. what are the types of trees within this variety? Uh, Douglas fir, of course. Yeah. Grand fir, uh, noble fir, and uh, Nordman. And I was I was growing some Scotch pine, but nobody wanted them, so. Bye-bye. Yeah, <laughs> I, good, I, goodbye, Scotch Pine. I'm curious. I, know, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. Have uh, you noticed uh, any, you know, trends over time? Like in some years, everybody wanted this type, of, you know, some types of trees go in and out of fashion just like yes. other things do? Or Yes. And, it, it, of course, from my original state, yeah. with they, everybody wanted nobles. And, and then when uh, I started selling Nordman, they, because a Nordman will look like a noble. And if they buy the tree, and I don't get to talk to them and tell them what type it is, they'll come back the next year and say, I don't know what kind of tree I got from you last year, but it lasted a long time. I said, it's a Nordman. Okay. So, and of course, they can't pronounce it. And uh, it goes anywhere from Normans to <laughs> Nordic to Noodlemans. That's the best said, one so far. Yeah, to Nordstrom. Oh. Yeah, well, I... The Nordstrom trees are fake, so <laughs> no. Nordies, you can charge like three times more for them. Yeah, <laughs> Just, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Normans, they last a long time, but they don't have the smell. Right. So if we go to the opposite side of the spectrum, which one has the most smell? A grand fur. Okay. Yeah. And uh, once you have the smell of the grand fur, you always want a grand fur. And if when you have a grand fur, you know you have to keep it watered. And a Douglas fur... Lovely smell. Uh, do you have to keep it water? Yeah. Yeah. Noble fir used to be the longest lasting tree uh, until the Nordman started coming along. Uh, and, and they have a pretty good smell, but they'll get some red needles. They don't like growing in this low altitude. So, you know, th- my field is a little higher uh, where I get these nobles from. So, and they do pretty well there. And then this year, uh, I have alpine nobles. They are the top of a 30-foot tree, and the bottom part of the tree, all the boughs were used to, for making wreaths. And uh, oh. right, and so we just let the tree grow for another five or six years, and the top grows. And then I cut the tree down and salvaged the top, and they are beautiful. Hmm. There's no bugs in those because there's no bugs up at 30 feet in the air. Um, nice, tight needle, blue color, uh, great aroma, and no dead needles. Uh, sparse because we can't get up there to trim them to make them full, and, and they've been a hit. Uh, so uh, they're just a noble, but I call them alpine nobles because they're higher up. Well, I think I know what Austin and I are getting this year. <laughs> that <Yeah>. sounds amazing. <laughs> now, you mentioned the trimming. So, I mean, yeah. people only see the the end result and, and the work that you do, you know, in the, the last weeks before Christmas. Right. But there's stuff happening on the farm every day throughout the year oh, that yeah. you're doing to make sure that you can deliver a good product. Right. Uh, when the trees are growing, of course, they have all that new growth. So you just kind of back away and let them do what they're doing. And then when they harden off, say, in September, then you can go out there and you can culture them by cutting the top leader down to the first bud. Uh, 
and they're taking a long, razor-sharp knife and shearing them to a, a beautiful shape. And that, by taking that top leader down, you keep the growth from going that way, and you make the tree go this way, huh. and they fill in. Okay. Uh, Douglas fir, you have to do that every year. Uh, and by doing that, all the Douglas fir look alike. And that's okay. Noble fir, it's a little trickier. Uh, and there's there are bushy tree people and there are non-bushy tree people. So you don't want to trim every noble fir to be bushy because their childhood tree had a lot of space in it. Right. And so that's what they want. And, um, you know, for every kettle, there's a lid. <laughs> Traditions with Christmas tree is it's so real. I mean, I didn't realize how I guess I'll call it spoiled I am because I'm born and raised here every year and I lived in the country. So every year we went to the Christmas tree farm and got our Christmas tree and it wasn't until I graduated from Oregon State and was in Portland that I realized, oh, some people get their Christmas trees from a parking lot or from mm-hmm. yeah. somewhere else besides this and and so but yes, I have this specific kind of tree and every year I was the jerk in the family who had to have it look a certain way. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's tradition is crucial. <laughs> See, I got, my trees are probably Oregon trees too. It's just, I got them from a parking lot in Arizona where I grew up. So not quite as fresh. Right. I totally missed out on that experience. Aww. Well, now you don't have to. Oh no. Yeah. It, that is one of the first things we do when moving here is like, I'm chopping down my own tree. We're going to the farm. None of this parking lot nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, that's got to be something that's really fun for you as well is as much as, obviously, you love trees and this is something that has been part of you since a child, I can't imagine how rewarding it must be playing such a large part of so many families' traditions. Oh, yeah. That's got to be really yeah. fun. It's, uh, I feel very lucky to have this job. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you have a job that you enjoy, you never have to work a day in your life. <laughs> and... Uh, I was just telling my daughter that yesterday when uh, we were open yesterday and all the happy people and we get pony rides and uh, my, our grandkids have uh, a tent set up and they have their own crafts that they make and sell. Uh, They make stars, twig stars and uh, garland and, uh, Oh, they're very crafty. And <laughs> Love it. Yes. <laughs> what, um, you, you mentioned everybody has, has their type of tree, just out of curiosity. Are, are you the bushy type of tree person? or? Um, I'm the uh, whatever my wife likes kind of tree person. <laughs> yes. <coughs> and oh. she used to be a, well, when we were first married, all we could afford was a Douglas fir. So that's what we had. And then when we started the tree farm and everybody started asking for nobles, uh, my wife wanted a noble too. So we had that. And it was, really? At Tuber's <laughs> Yeah. And it, beautiful. And then I talked her into a Nordman. And now she won't go back to a noble. She wants a Nordman. Less mess. And, um, and when she does Christmas, it is a sight to behold. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> She that. calls me, her nickname for me is Mr. Christmas. <laughs> but the truth be known, she is Mrs. Christmas. Yes. yes. 
well, and we need to plug to her. We didn't get to mention earlier since she's not on the podcast. She co-owns it with you. So uh, yes, yes, family business. What's it so beautiful? Gosh, I just want to go right now. I know, right? Can we just leave? <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's go for it. Nobody <laughs> knows. Follow you back on. home. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> what is the best way to keep that Christmas tree smell going as long as possible? Uh, just water it. Just yeah. that simple. Yeah. yeah. Just stop forgetting to water it, Jared. Right. Is what you're saying? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Not that I'm throwing myself under the bus on that one. No, uh, it's it's yeah, yeah. it's crucial. Got to remember. <laughs> what um, are some of the other like changes that you've seen in, in, in trends with Christmas trees and so forth? Um, you know, I remember, you know, flocking was a big thing, and then it wasn't. And then I've actually seen it kind of see that seems to be coming around again. Yeah, uh, flocking makes a beautiful tree out of a non-beautiful tree if a tree has some red needles or some problem it would go and be flocked and then it looks beautiful but it's uh, expensive to do that and time consuming and we've never done that i uh, bought flocking material only because i use it for my diorama ah. that oh. we have every year um, i use it for a snow scene i have an entire building devoted to a nature scene diorama and of course my wife says I should be doing other things like cleaning the gutters (laughs) uh, instead of going out there and playing with my diorama but uh, people enjoy it and I enjoy doing it this year it's we have it's a Gene Autry theme oh okay yeah of course we we don't really have Gene Autry because uh (laughs) But it has animals, it has a stage with a, with, uh, you have to use your imagination, a band playing, um, lots of lights. So anyway. That's ba- the best part. Lights. Yes. A lot so, of lights. Got a lot so of lights. back to flocking. I got off a little uh, sidetracked here. Uh, we would sell flocking in a bag with some glitter, and then you would spray the tree down take the flock in and just sprinkle it over the top of it. And it was it was great. Huh. It wasn't a heavily flocked tree like you would buy in the store, but it was just enough to, to look real. I didn't wow, hear anything cool. he said after glitter. <laughs> you lost your glitter. She loves glitter. <laughs> oh. Glitter's her sparkle. thing. Glitter, yeah. yeah. Glitter's kind of her thing. <laughs> if you can make a Christmas tree look like a disco ball, she'd probably be ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> um... So one, one thing that's, that they always talk about when it comes to the importance of Christmas tree care, is, you know, keeping it watered and so forth because of, you know, obviously drying out, that's not good, both for the tree and then safety. But um, do you recommend LED lights for trees since they do a, a better job of not heating up the tree? Or is, uh, there, is there something else that you think works the best for making it last no, long and look good? Any of those small okay. um, uh, lights. You know, the, in the old days, when, we were, when I was growing up, we had those great big colored lights, mm-hmm. and they, well, they got hot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't think you can buy those anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can. No. Yeah. Every once in a while, I've looked for them. My wife loves that old school thing. It's like, I'm not paying for the electricity on that. Yes. We still have one customer that gets a natural noble, and on Christmas Eve, she puts candles on it. Oh, the real old school way. Yeah, I kind of flinch a little bit. When, yeah. But uh, that's, that's her tradition. And of course, I'm sure she's right there watching it, and Hopefully. everything's safe. So, uh, 
Yes, firefighters would appreciate if they kept watching. Yeah. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> okay, well, obviously, as, as much as I could keep talking about trees, and I know you could talk about trees forever. All day. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think it's also important. Let's give the listeners the information. Where do they find you? What are the hours and, and, and so forth? Okay. Uh, our address, 12328 South Casto Road, and that's off of Spangler, which Spangler is off of Highway 213, yep. uh, just south of Oregon City. Mm-hmm. And um, just follow that down until you pass uh, Christopher Bridge Winery. Yep. And uh, great folks there too. And you can even stop there and have wine tasting before you come down. Yeah, wine trail. <laughs> yeah. And then you start heading down the hill and you look down, and there's our farm Big Red Barn white farmhouse, white picket fence, and tons of trees. You're calling my heart right now. Farmhouse. And hopefully tons of people. Yes. All smiling with a tree in their trunk. Yes. We'll be there. We'll be there. (laughs) What are the hours that you're open? We open uh, on the weekends at 9 o'clock, and we close at 4.30. And on the weekdays, we open at 10, because I like to go out early in the morning and cut more trees and bring them in. Yeah. So I need that extra hour to do that. Yeah. So you've got the pre-cuts, and then you also do have U-cuts if somebody yeah. does want to go out and get money. Right. They're getting the, I enjoy that. Yeah. There's mostly big trees out in the uh, U-cuts. And I have the smaller trees, I don't have tags on them, so they're, you know, you can't cut them this year, but next year you can cut them. Yeah. yeah. we got to get more growing yeah, for next year. I'm trying to ration. Yeah. And so to make up for that, I just brought in more of my pre-cuts. Yeah. It was a, a little more work, but I can keep going, and yeah. uh, everybody can go home with a tree that way. For sure. For and sure. that's the important part. Well, as I said before, these podcasts are all about learning more about the people and places behind Mount Hood Territory. Mm-hmm. And we have a fun way of doing that as well that we always spring on our guests that we don't tell you until now. But Molly curates a series of five questions for a little game that we call would you rather? And it's not, not nothing nothing too scary or anything like that, but just five random questions just kind of off the top of your head, you know, say A or B or whatever, and then we just kind of learn a little bit more about you that way. Is it, there, I'm sorry. Is there a prize? There is no prize. Okay. The prize is you get to hang out with us for a few more minutes. Okay. Which I, which <laughs> I think good. is worth it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But in, as much as this started out as a fun thing, I have to say the last few podcasts have really shown we've learned some interesting things about some of our guests from this. It started out as just a fun way, but we really are learning some fun things. So I, I think this is this has been enjoyable. It has been. It has been. <laughs> so without further ado, Molly, okay. would you rather? Would you, William, would you rather know everything there is to know or be amazing at any activity you tried? Oh. Well, I th- think I'd like to be amazing at any activity I try. But you know, knowing everything's good too. Um, it might be some things you wouldn't want to know. Right. Well, that's true. Okay, I'll go with my original answer. Yes, yeah. the activities. Yes, I'm competitive, so it'd be like, oh, you want to play this? Okay, yeah, and then just be better. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Would you rather control space or time? Hmm. What? I I'd have no idea how I'd answer that one. I think I would rather control time. Yes. Slow it down a little. Right? Mm-hmm. Totally. 
Totally. I hear that. Mm -hmm. That's how I would answer it too. We're on the same wavelength. I'm, I'm feeling that right now. My daughter just got her first job and her learner's permit. So it's, yes. I'm really feeling that one lately. Oh, wait, it goes faster. Yeah, I can it, only imagine. It accelerates. <laughs> okay. Would you rather every day have to wear clown shoes <laughs> or a clown wig? Shoes. Because I have the feet for it. I wear size 13. Whoa. Nobody would notice. You're already wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> that, the hair would be noticeable. Yeah. See, I might the go feet, for, no. I might go for the wig because ever since my hair went away, it gets a lot colder. Yeah. I've noticed. Yeah. That's, that's why they make hats. <laughs> would you rather be able to run super fast or jump super high? I'd rather jump super high. I know why. What? Trimming the trees. Yes. <laughs> That's Got what, it. That way I could jump up there and trim the alpines. Yeah. Okay. I like it. It's the first one we disagreed on. I'm all about that running game. But. Okay. Would you rather... So think of your very favorite meal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have to eat that for every meal for the rest of your life? Or never be able to eat that meal ever again. Oh, never to eat that meal. Oh. Yes. Well, that was easy. Oh, I know. <laughs> that, that was way quicker than I expected. Well, because my favorite meal is very fattening. Okay. <laughs> so I would gain a lot of weight. Yep. So it would not be a good thing. <laughs> totally. That mac and cheese, man, just get you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, thanks, William. That's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess we have to let you go and get the trees ready for Christmas because it is approaching. But again, uh, you do an amazing thing out there just bringing Christmas to everybody's homes. And it was just, it's fun to be a tiny little part of that this year as you shared your story. So I appreciate you coming in. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Be sure to keep us uh, tuned in next time to Territory Tales. Hit that subscribe button and we'll talk with you next time. 